but that's it's not a young team no more. Let's throw that that narrative out. They're not young anymore. Wiggins is the only young guy. Him and Tyler Jones. Welcome to episode 66 of Wolves Cast, the show that always gets revenge by dunking on LeBron James. It's hosted by myself and my brother. I'm Neil. I'm Scott. Welcome to the show, everybody. We're here uh, with another episode of Wolves Cast for you, and today, Scott, it's a very special, a very, very special episode. Oh, really? Yeah. Do you know why that is? Uh, I'm not sure. Well, just we, let me know. It's because we have two amazing guests right here in studio. Uh, with us, two good friends who we just met. You know, we're all, we're all friends already, though. Um, you know them well if you're a Timberwolves fan. Um, this week on the show, it's a mid-season report uh, featuring the Athletics' Britt Robson. Say hello, Britt. Hey, how you doing? And uh, we also have our fearless editor at Canis Hoopus. It's Mr. John Meyer. What's up, guys? We're all here. We're all hanging out. We're all having fun. And uh, we are gathered today to talk about uh the first half of this season of Timberwolves basketball you know Scott and I we watched from afar but we thought it might be good to uh bring in some gentlemen who who watch from the lower level corner of Target Center um they're in the locker room after after every game talking to players chatting it up asking the hard questions and then writing about it after the game so we're excited to have them um, Hopefully you've heard their voices before. We've been saying yeah. Britt Bauer is the best podcast about the Timberwolves. That's our favorite. We're like number six on the best of wow. podcasts. Yeah, like, yeah, the Britt Brower show. I'm impressed. Yeah, it's always number one. Britt Brower is great because you know you get you get half Timberwolves, half um, politics. You know you get some seventy percent uh, profanity. I actually never asked you guys whether or not that was. Uh, yeah, you can curse. It's okay. okay. No. It's okay. Um, yeah, yeah, we, yeah. You know, we, we'll, uh, you know, we might, we might bleep, but you never know. Okay. Please, uh, but feel free to, you know, speak freely. Um, but yeah, we're just going to dig right in um, and and talk sort of general thoughts about where the Timberwolves are through 41 games. And to me, the number one place to start is the defensive improvement. Um, obviously, the beginning of the season, very, very tough. Wolves started off down at the bottom. And um, a lot of the problems obviously pointed at Carl Anthony Towns and 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 other things. Um, but um, Britt, we'll start with you. Wh- you know what what has what has what has happened here as far as the Wolves' progression from from being down way down at the bottom and and as we record today, I think it's 16th in defensive um, um, efficiency in the league right now. How has this happened? Well, my catechism all year has been that the, the, the Wolves would go only so far as Jimmy Butler's health and the commitment of Towns and Wiggins to defense would take them. Um, I believe that uh, Wiggins got it a little bit more immediately, and I mm-hmm. think when you've signed a $148 million contract, you're probably a little bit more motivated to play defense than you were the previous season, and certainly was true of Wiggins. Um so he was on board a little bit earlier in terms of uh, energy. Mm. I think in general, though, it's a combination of inside and outside pressure. I think that uh, Towns in particular um, received the Taj Gibson, Jimmy Butler, uh, Tom Thibodeau combination. Yeah. And, uh, you know, do things right, that beat, you know, they were all really into repetition. And... Uh, then it took the outside pressure of being mocked uh, by his uh, respected peers like Joel, Joel Embiid and yes. by, uh, 
you know, respected pundits like Zach Lowe and former players like Paul Pierce. I mean, there's just a group of people uh, for somebody who's really used to being the, you know, the 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 favored person. And and Carl really works hard, I think, to be that. You can tell by his statements that he caters to attention. Um, to have that negative attention happen to him. Uh, and also to have, uh, you know, Butler and uh, some extent, uh, believe it or not, Jamal Crawford and some other folks giving him the side eye in the locker room. Mm. Um, and then just the, the repetition after a while, it gets through. And, uh, you know, it, playing uh, the, the the low post in a Tibbs defense is not that easy. There's a lot of split-second reactions. There's a lot of, you know, icing, whatever else you want to call it, moving mm. in. And so, in general, I, uh, you know, not, not to hog the mic on this, I do think that it comes down to uh, Towns and Wiggins. Teague has been a disappointment, quite frankly, as a, a veteran coming in. He doesn't stay in front of people on ball very well. Um, but between Gibson and Butler, schooling the other two guys, waiting for those two guys to get it, that's really what the season's been about. It's been about Wiggins. Uh, doing well in October and early November and then slipping on defense as well as offense in December. But everybody coming together late December, early January, actually since the middle of December, they've been a top 10 defense. And so, but Towns is the one that is probably the, you know, Carl Anthony Towns is almost as good on defense right now for the last three weeks as Jimmy Butler. Wow. That's a phenomenal statement, but I really believe that's true. Wow. I remember the first month, it seems like the biggest defensive breakdown, or at least the most obvious noticeable one, is that, you know, Teague would be playing his turnstile defense. And once Teague's defender got by him, or, you know, the guy Teague was defending got by Teague, then there'd be the collapse with the bigs because Cat didn't know when to come over or when Taj was supposed to come over. So inevitably, you'd watch the breakdown happen right there at the hoop when the wrong person switches and then that man's open. Yeah, I agree. That's something we don't see as much. You know, out on the perimeter and then Towns overreacting to dribble penetration or not reacting. Uh, he just had a really terrible time trying to figure out how far to commit. And I saw him the other day, I can't, it was two or three games ago, I think it was on this homestand where a team ran about four pick and rolls at him uh, and he never left his man but always showed enough to deter the pick and roll. And that's just that's just great. You know, it's if you're a Timberwolves fan, Carl Anthony Towns playing close to all league defense, given his offensive yeah, prowess and and knowing that he's about to sign, hasn't even signed. It won't be two. It'll be two years before he enters a five year contract. Yeah, that's and, pretty good for the future. And John, what do you think about Tibbs's role in all this? I feel like he gets the blame when things aren't going right. Right, as far yeah. as Thibodeau, you know, Thibodeau, oh, he came in here to be a defensive coach and the team's bad. You know, to start the season anyway, that was kind of the thing. Is like I thought he was a defensive coach, but now that the team is playing a little bit better defense, we're praising the players more than the coach. Where, where does you know Tom, I think, Tom Thibodeau fit in all of this sure, as far as his sure. defense? I, I think people can't separate the way Tibbs acts on the sidelines necessarily from what the team is accomplishing. And that's fine. Some people don't like the F-bombs and the just the behavior. We've yeah. all seen it. He never sits down. He's up off the bench within, I always joke to Britt, like, it's two minutes. It's one minute, and he's up off the bench, and he's complaining, and he's bitching yeah. at the officials. I love um, when he does the full arm flap where both arms come way out. Yes. You know? but, so I think people do have a hard time. Like, I think you were saying the other night, Britt, like he's just he doesn't really appeal to Minnesotans, I don't think. Right. Um It's not the passive aggressive uh Minnesota way, you know. I mean it's aggressive aggressive. 
And I mean, it is. It's funny. I mean, you talk about the double arm flap. For a while, we would joke about you know, the the, the worst Tibbs thing is the is the uh, the the right fist swirl, where he takes his right fist and drives it down so hard that his whole body turns. Just Marnie to, Marnie Gilner was telling me. I'm sorry to hog this. Marnie Gilner was telling me on the road that uh, she was sitting in a courtside and uh, Tibbs turned around and kicked the table so hard and said, "Fuck me!" <laughs> Just at the top of his lungs and everybody, you know, who's not used to Tibbs, all the wolf people travel the wolves barely batter the knife, but everybody else is going nuts. Whoa. I noticed I was sitting kind of behind the bench for last night's game. We should say we're recording this. Last night was the OKC game. Yeah. And we're dropping this tomorrow, day of Crunch's birthday. Um, I noticed, and I've noticed this before, that you can see Tibbs' bald spot gets redder and redder the angrier he is. It really changes color throughout the game. You can gauge his body temperature by just looking at that spot on his head. Another point I, I did want to make about the improved defense, because when I log on to Basketball Reference, I see yeah. them 17th overall Crazy. with the fifth-rated offense. Crazy. I mean, that's I think that's what a lot of us were hoping for envisioning yeah uh coming into the season because yeah. you know Tibbs is a defensive guy and we've been waiting for that defensive improvement I think what I've noticed this year is the communication has been better than ever before mm. in my years of watching the Timberwolves especially the the last four years just covering the team you're saying on the court on guys the court, talking to each other calling court. defenses calling picks absolutely and I think Taj Gibson has been just phenomenal I think Jimmy Butler has been phenomenal and it's just the guys are communicating. They're talking that when something breaks down, they're talking about why it broke down. Mm. It's not put your head down and run back down the court. It seems like they're really trying to like put their their minds together and figure out, you know, this is why it broke down. And Tibbs will be the first guy to, you know, chew them out on the sidelines during a timeout. Like last night, he hated the rebound in the second quarter. They were getting clean. They were getting just hammered on the glass. And he came over and he ripped Towns. He ripped Wiggins. Wow. The Timberwolves, I think, ended up winning the Battle of the Boards last night. Wow. And yeah. so I think just as a, an entire team, I feel like the communication has been the best it's been for a long time. I think it's really helping our young guys, too, because I remember Towns, when he came into the league as a rookie, people got the impression that he was a better defensive player than we found out he was over the next couple of years because he had KG on the floor telling him where to go. Yeah. And when you saw KG sit for the second half of that season, a lot of that went away because he didn't have KG on the floor telling him where to be. Mm-hmm. And then so it's fun to see Jamal and Jimmy and Taj do that again for this team this year. Um, besides defense, I think the other thing that has to be, you know, the other highlight from this first half of the season is just Jimmy Butler being as advertised. Again, this kind of dovetails. Better than advertised. Better, maybe even better than advertised, but this kind of dovetails with, you know, talking about the defense, how at the beginning of the season, everything was a little slow to start, wasn't too hot. Same with Jimmy Butler. He started off slow, obviously more of a, um, you know, passing the ball, getting everybody else involved, um, didn't shoot um, the ball that much, but now he's into the Jimmy Butler that we've known from from past years in Chicago. So he's finally there now, finally playing at an All Star level, and it's just made all the difference. I mean, it's probably the the number one sort of topic amongst Wolves uh, Nation right now is, is is Jimmy Butler and you know him as an All Star and him as a catalyst. You know, Tibbs can't stop praising him after every game about changing the culture here. But just, you know, what do we think about, you know, what have you guys seen as far as Jimmy Butler, um, the leader um, in the locker room, um, you know, the things you might, maybe some people don't see on the court. If you watch basketball, you know how good Jimmy Butler is. (laughs) You know, he's a two-way player. He's a superstar. And I think he's 
a legitimate MVP candidate this season, which is incredible to say. The Wolves, what they've been lacking for all of these years is just that true alpha wolf in that locker room, that leader. You guys know that. Um, and it's just a guy that I just think he demands attention to detail. He demands respect from his teammates. And so when I, you know, see him in that locker room and, you know, he's blasting his country music <laughs> and he's kind yep. of just running the show. It's like it's his it's his locker room. It's his team. I just think we were missing that for for all those years. And I think that's really helping the Timberwolves. Yeah, I noticed um, I was talking about we said on the podcast that we recorded after the trade. I said he would probably become the second best player in Wolves history the second he started playing a minute for us. <laughs> because and just seeing him because obviously KG's number one. And the, probably K-, K. Love, Kevin Love might be number three on that list, but it just seems like Kevin Love always was putting up numbers, but when it came to clutch time, obviously that team, that final last love season, there's a lot of clutch time problems. We'd break apart in the fourth, and it's crazy to see Jimmy get better when the game's on the line. It seems like he's, when he takes a ridiculous, like long, hard three-point shot, it's more likely to go in than when he just takes a normal, you know, <laughs> during the flow of the game three-point shot. And I can't speak to Love's leadership as well as Britt may be able mm. to. But there's a reason these guys consistently say, I want Jimmy Butler in a foxhole with me. Yeah. You know, he's a guy that you would you want to go to war with. Yeah. Britt, what do you think? What, what are your overall impressions of, of Jimmy Butler and the leader and, and the player he's been for the Wolves in the first half? Yeah, I think it's impossible not to gush about Butler so far this year. I will, in defense of love, and uh, I think he it was shocking the other night when they just totally hammered Cleveland Again, they really picked on Love, and he remains, Mm. you know, after all this time, an absolutely atrocious defender. But I will say that, you know, he came into a situation where uh, McHale had him, and then McHale was gone. Uh, It was going to be him and Big Al for a while, and then Mm. that went away. Uh, Khan came in, said he, you know, was not going to be the alpha guy on the team. Rambus actually benched him and took him, you know, played him off the bench while Johnny Flynn was getting all kinds of minutes. It took a 30-30 game to get Kevin Love established in the starting lineup. And and then they didn't want to give him the five years, and so he, and, but they also gave him a way out. I mean, the whole thing was just absurd the way he was treated. All that said, um, he was not remotely the leader either KG or Butler were. Uh, Sam Mitchell was a better leader. Hmm. Terry Porter was a better, better leader. You know, hell, Kendall Gill was a better leader. I mean, he's not that he's not leadership caliber. Yeah. Um, and you need that from your number one. You know? Yeah, I think if you don't have it from your number one, you need to have somebody who um, has some kind of uh, imprimatur, some mm. kind of thing in the league that makes you that. You sure. know, and he he wasn't re- there yet. Um, but I think what impresses me most about Butler is that um, he never feels like he has to prove himself. There's, you know, I mean, if, if somebody's going three for 17 or something, you can feel, um, well, you certainly see it with both Towns and Wiggins. You see it with everybody on the Timberwolves, but you also see it with stars on other teams with rare exceptions, you know, guys like Le- LeBron or whatever, even Durant every now and then, you know, if, if he's a little off, there's a little bit of a hitch in what he's doing. Butler has a, a kind of a preternatural calm about him uh, in addition to a real intensity on how to play the game. But in terms of his psychology, if somebody's going well, Jimmy's going to find him and feed him. Um, if somebody isn't going well, he's going to try to find him and feed him. And if it doesn't work, he's going to do it himself for a while and then maybe go back to him. Um, he's friends with Jeff Teague. 
Marcus Georges Hunt, who, you know, uh, scuffling, journeyman, yeah. uh, he's befriended him. He talks about, you know, hey, come on over to the crib. Uh, <laughs> you know, I mean, and uh, Marcus Georges Hunt finally got his NBA deal the other day. Yeah. Uh, you know, he locked in. He invited a bunch of kids out to something. Butler showed up. You know, I mean, these are the types of things that uh, he doesn't do it for the cameras. He does perform. Sure. I mean, when he has the post-game media there, he acts out. You we've know, seen, we've seen, we've we seen John's videos. <laughs> I stick around now and watch the post-games whenever I've watched a game on FSN because yeah. I want to see that. Yeah, And John is great. I mean, John always mm. finds the great you know, spot to film from. Yeah, and, uh, right under his chin. Yeah, but I mean, it's really, uh, he's, he's a performer, and he understands, he always treats, unless it's been a terrible loss, like they had a few before, and he, he would really harp on the defense. But when possible, he keeps it light, but he keeps it edgy at the same time. Uh, the whole thing about free throws the other night, where he said, you know, you were shooting like Shaq, and Teague said he was shooting like Shaq, and he went for No, like Wiggs, you know. <laughs> no, he was Wiggs. <laughs> no, he was Wiggs. Just a slight, you know, dig there. Just but no, dig. you know, they just won the game. Wiggs yeah. had a great game. It was the it was perfect fine. time. If you're going to put the needle into Wiggs, put it there, you know. <laughs> oh, man. Wiggs didn't even say anything. He just sat at his locker room. <laughs> sure. And he got up, and he just, he just walked out. <laughs> Do you think how much how much do we give credit to Jimmy as far as the defensive improvement from the rest of the team? I and mean, we we know Jimmy, you know, all defensive type defender. Um, that's his reputation coming in. But as far as the improvements that we just talked about from some of the other players, do we think that some of that is it comes from Jimmy Butler's leadership and him kind of getting on these guys? Did he help change that? Do you think? Absolutely. I think Taj Gibson as well. Mm. Uh, Taj has exceeded my expectations. Uh, I was, you know, I'll be honest. I wasn't thrilled about. Uh, the signing yeah. in the offseason, I thought that money should go to a wing. I was so wrong. Every every night I see Tosh Gibson, I, I mean, he's playing at the best level of his career. I talked about the communication. I think that's tremendous. But just having him kind of work with Cat as the big, and then you got Jimmy with Wiggs, I just think that, that really works really well. Yeah. And I also want to give credit to Wiggins. I think he's playing his ass off on the defensive end. I think this is the best defense he's ever played. Last night against Paul Georgie, what does he hold him to 13 points, I think? Yeah, really good. He contested every shot extremely well. He's been playing hard. I know, you know, last night is a great example. Uh, Jimmy really gets on him when he's not going 100%. If, he, if it's a 50-50 ball and he thinks that Wiggs didn't really try for it, he's going to get on him. And I think that's, that's special to have because Tibbs can't be that guy that's getting on Towns and Wiggins all the time. It has to come from a player. And Jimmy, he demands respect across the league. He obviously demands it in the locker room. And I just think those things have all come together to kind of, it's added up to what we're watching right now. And that's what we hope for. I mean, that's, you know, before the season started, that's what we hoped is like you get these vets in here. All right, they're going to show them how to play defense. They're going to show them what Tibbs' system is like. And, you know, at first we were a little worried about that, but it seems like everything's coming up roses now as far as that goes. Who knew? Patience pays off. A little patience. That's what we were preaching at the end of the season. A little, little patience is good. On. You know, this isn't the way we're going to play all season. What else about this this first half, though? What else is... Well, I think one thing know, we talked about early on in the season was people were complaining they weren't having any fun watching this team. Uh-huh. 
And I think that's recently changed because a lot of it felt like we were scoring lots of points, but they were scoring lots of points and we would have a big fourth quarter lead and we'd end up winning by three points or less, it seemed like. Yeah. And so even in our losses, people were getting pretty upset about the way the team was playing. And I think now that we've seen the defense improvement start to come along and stuff, it's just a lot more joyous to watch this team play than it was in the first couple of months. So. Yeah, the whole idea of Wolves fans sort of not enjoying this, I think, is very interesting as well, right? We I mean, mocked it at the time. But. We mocked it. It's still, it's still happening, though. I mean, finally, you know... They're getting some sellouts at Target Center and stuff like that. But it did take a little bit, and it still is not quite there as far as locally. You know, people, it's just it's just so weird. It's such a strange experience to have the team be so bad for an entire decade plus. And so the, the, the fans start to expect a certain thing or maybe just don't know how to cheer for a winning team. I mean, well, I don't know that's what very it is. True. We don't know how to be winners, and I think we should – there's a lot of stuff we need to improve on as a fan base because why were we doing booing Kevin Love the other night? I was so disappointed. I was shocked by that. I was so disappointed. Well, I wasn't shocked because the Cavs game is going to draw a lot more of sure. a casual fan in yep. who yep. gets more most of their sports opinions from ESPN, so they think that's what you do. Yes. But it's just like, come on. At this point, it's been so many years. We're in a better place now. He's in a better place now. It's just like, why are you booing him every time he touches the ball? That's so lame. Yeah, so there's definitely some stuff like that. But, yeah, as far as the team being so good, it's just so interesting that the, the fan base hasn't quite wrapped their hands around it yet to sort of understand how amazing. I mean, obviously there's still warts, but you're always going to have that, I feel like. And I don't know, maybe Warriors fans also complain about their team a little bit or whatever it is. But I just think it's a very interesting dynamic as far as the fans go right now in Minnesota uh, with the team. Well, I'm on record. I think there was one day I just got sick of it and said something about like there's a segment of the Wolves fans who are you know are rooting for the Wolves not to play well <laughs> to ratify sure. their their feelings. Yeah, and you know I took some heat from it, and I wanted to actually I wanted to have a debate about it. Yeah. T- Twitter is an awful place to do it, but <laughs> uh, I'm not on Facebook or anything, and so yeah. it was one of those things. But having said that, I mean I do want to give the other side of the story. And the other side of the story is that uh, there's some really smart basketball fans out there who approach the game scientifically. And what they saw coming in was a team without any wing depth and a team without any three-point shooting uh, put together by a guy who had no experience as a, you know, any front office experience, if anything, took the job so that he himself as a coach wouldn't be interfered with again, Mm. um, which is not a great way to go into being a GM, and went out and signed a guy. You know, Taj Gibson, as John says, has been more than worth the money, and Tibbs has earned his last laugh on that one, at least thus far. Um, But paying $14 million for a guy right after you paid $14, $15, $16 for a power forward and you don't have any wing players – and then you get Jamal Crawford and, you know, a guy who's used to 26 minutes a game, 14 straight years, all of a sudden he's getting 17 because that's who Tibbs is. So you're sowing discord there. You sign Bozzi. He's a belly flop. Uh, you know, you're not getting defense. That's your calling card. You're offending anybody who uh, doesn't like to hear uh, that kind of stuff on the sidelines. And your team is, is winning ugly in a way that makes you think this can't sustain. And so all that comes together, and you know, you're a smart guy, you've watched basketball, and you're not going to be taken in by this bullshit. Right. And so that, I think, is the mindset that I began to encounter when I would debate folks like this. Where I was coming from is um, take what you have. Take the bird in the hand. The bird in the hand is you're playing 600 ball. The bird in the hand is you've got three guys 
you know, I understand that Wiggins is underperformed and he's not a max guy right now, but if he spins through the lane through two guys and, and you know, brings it home or does that pretty little finger roll in transition or whatever, that's beautiful stuff. I yeah. mean, remember why you're there. You're there to watch basketball. And there's some beautiful basketball having, you know, being done. Now we have a situation where um, – You've got the team coordinating like a team. You've got the kinds of aspects of basketball that I think these skeptics were kind of looking for in terms of the defense, in terms of the team play, in terms of convincing wins. You know, you're not holding on to win games anymore. And so you do have that quickening. Um, so, you know, I still believe that, yes, uh, there's a segment of the fan base that is too cynical and is not enjoying the reason we're all supposedly <laughs> there, which is to watch basketball. But I, I don't think it is totally off base that they felt that way. Yeah. That, that's what 13 years of not making the playoffs will do to a fan base. <laughs> yeah. I was always saying, though, like being a fan during the bad years has made us better fans because we have to like we have so much to read about this advanced stats and stuff like that because you're always just digging for more. Right. Because, you know, you got to distract yourself somehow. <laughs> well, we've, we've seen so many things go wrong yeah. over the years that I think there's almost an expectation that it's going to go wrong. Mm -hmm. And so we just have to find But I, I'm with Britt. We just have to enjoy you know, the little things. And I think sometimes, you know, I'm guilty of this. We just get so caught up in the stats or this isn't right or that isn't right. And instead we kind of lose sight of the big picture thing that Carl Anthony Towns is on the Wolves. Yeah. He's a Hall of Fame big man. Well, yeah, or even just wins and losses. That's just It's just Jimmy so Butler. funny to me that the team has won so few games. Like, there's so many stats over the years of how many teams or how many games this, this franchise has, has won over the last years, and it's just a small number, and already we've won so many games, and it's just, yeah, maybe yeah, maybe you have problems with the well, minutes think, or whatever, but, like, the wins are there. I think a problem is a lot of fans just – view teams as are they going to make a championship with this squad or are they not because i hear in the national media a lot they say well if this team isn't a championship contender why don't you just blow it point? up yeah. why don't you just tank and get picks mm -hmm. and i'm saying we've had that perspective for so long i don't think national media people understand like what making the playoffs will mean to this fan base right. where it's like you know this season will be a successful season as long as we make the playoffs yeah and i see national media being like i'm not sure if you can win a title with carl anthony towns and jimmy butler so i, I think they should blow it up and it's just <laughs> Like, what? <laughs> That's one of my pet peeves, to be yeah. frank. Yeah. I, I really do think that this whole idea of championship or bust, what you're really saying is, you know, one-thirtieth of the fan base should be satisfied at the end of the year. Yeah. I mean, come on. Yeah. Where's the, you know, why do people who feel that way get to root for whatever team they feel like because they're omni fans you know they're they're media people covering the team and they'll always be able to travel someplace and talk to somebody or go to this guy or go to that guy but there are people who are geographically based or personality based fans who live and die with teams yeah. and so there's that and i you know i've covered this team since 1990 uh, you know, the first piece I ever wrote on this team was about Gary Leonard, who was the second guy ever taken on the draft after Pooh Richardson. Wow. Uh, you know, I ha I was there for the Dome games. You know, I was there when, you know, you stood up in the fourth quarter, you know, regardless <laughs> of what the score was. You know, wow. I mean, the, the attendance record. Yeah. You know, the Wolves yeah. set the attendance record in the Dome. So, and I will tell you right now, I loved and cherished every single moment 
almost every single moment of those uh, one-and-out playoff teams under KG mm. because he was just phenomenal. And to watch him 41 times in person a game, you know, I didn't Incredible. miss a game. I probably, in those days, didn't miss a game at all. Now, ever since, when I wrote for SI.com, I would miss games because I had a deadline on Monday nights. But for the most part, I've seen between 35 and 40 Wolves home games every year since 1990. Wow. And it's hoops. It's basketball. It's the best sport played by the best athletes. That's the part that I don't get is blow it all up so you can win a championship. Your odds of winning a championship maybe you know go up from 130th to 111th if you do everything right. Yeah. I mean, come on. Where's the science in that? Yeah, right. that's why I think some people are just like, oh, we're worried about our cap situation next year. We're worried about what it's like. Enjoy what's going on right now. Yeah, I, you can worry about that. Yeah. yeah, but live in the moment. Enjoy the wins. Live in the moment. Change your face. Enjoy. Yeah, it. change this face. Um, cool. We're gonna continue talking about uh, this uh, mid-season point um, for the Timberwolves, but first uh, we got to pay some bills. We have a sponsor um, for this week's show, and uh, as you might know, uh, Friday night. Um, as you're listening to this, hopefully it's Friday, but uh, it is Crunch's birthday. One of the best days of the for, year. For the Knicks game uh, I hope, here. I hope the Raptor comes. Yeah. Benny the Bull is always a joy. What a performer. Yeah. What Clutch the Teddy Bear. Rumble the Bison. Rumble the Bison. We've just named all my favorite we ones. We just named those all are, the, Those are the best ones. I, it, bet, I bet the Condor from the Clippers will come. It's a it's a family event. It's meant for kids um, You know, to enjoy seeing a whole bunch of mascots. All the hijinks. Usually on, on the, the Sunday court. matinee game. But it is. This, this, this time year, it's a Friday night. Friday night. Good point. But we're not talking about that. No. What we're talking about is the real Crunch. We're talking about party. Crunch's other birthday. The after party. It happens after the normal birthday, and is Crunch's other birthday, and they are our sponsor. They just want to get the word out about the event. It's Friday Aqua. night. It's at Aqua Aqua Club downtown. Hennepin Avenue. You get into the VIP section if you're wearing a mascot suit of any kind. Just wear some fur and you'll get in. The um, easiest one, I think, is probably the gorilla from the, the Phoenix Suns. Because it's not like he's wearing a big cartoony foam mascot suit. He's right. just wearing a gorilla suit. If you're, just, if you're a mascot of any type, you get in the VIP bottle service on the club for free if you are a mascot. So if, you're, if you are a local mascot for a high school team... Uh, whatever it might be in your life that you're a mascot for, or even if you just have a furry costume hanging in your closet from Halloween, um, bring it out to the club. Um, the it, Philly Fanatic will be DJing all night long. Oh, I've heard great things about the, the playlist. Despite yeah. those thumbs. Despite, that's what's incredible. That's yeah. it. Yeah, somehow the, 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 you know, the, the, the hands of these mascots can DJ. I, I don't know how it is. Um, but it's really an incredible event. I mean, all the hijinks that you think of from the game, you know, there'll be lots of confetti. There'll be lots of uh, gags, um, you know, pranks played on people. All that stuff coming to the club. And every year, the night after, Crunch bails everybody out of jail that gets arrested at this party every night. Go crazy. Go crazy at this event, all right? It's going to be lots of fun. Crunch's other birthday taking place at Aqua after um, after the Wolves inevitably beat the, beat the Knicks. On Friday night. You know he's going to have the Gatling gun t-shirt cannon there. In the club. Get ready to catch some t-shirts. There you go. That's the party after the party. It's Crunch's real birthday party. This Friday night at Aqua. We'll see you there. I will be dressed up as the gorilla. Neil, what are you going to be dressed up as? Um, you know, I have a, I also have a Philly Fanatic costume. So I'm going to wear that too. Are you going to be spinning? Too. Yeah, I'll be spinning some tunes as well. So thank you to Crunch's other birthday for their uh, sponsorship of Wolf's Cast. Presenting your weekly wolfies. All right, time to give out some awards. 
Um, it's the first half awards. Usually we do an award called the Weekly Wolfie where we just give out an award for something that we like or don't like or whatever, or something we want to highlight. But this week um, we got a whole uh, bunch of people in here. We're going to take turns giving out awards for um, things that happened in the first half. Um, we're going to start with Britt, um, and the first award um, is for Best Game. Britt, take it away. Okay. I, I, I was prepped on this, yep. so I had some time to think. Yep. The best played game was the Cavs. Uh, I don't think anybody could really just the other night deny that. Mm-hmm. Uh, the best game of the season, in my view, was the Portland win after the Phoenix debacle. Mm. Uh, because what you had there was, I thought, the uh, nadir of the season in Phoenix. Jimmy Butler had a yep. bad back. He was playing anyway. They were in the middle of blowing another game to a terrible Suns team. Uh, it just looked bad, and the, uh, the 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 critics were out in mass as they probably should have been. It really did look like a, a bad point in the season, and uh, they were, if I'm not mistaken, they were trailing Portland yep. uh, for most of the game. You know, Nurkic and all those guys were having their way, and uh, Jamal Crawford just previous to that had com- complained in a great. He's talking about passive-aggressive Minnesota, great Minnesota way, saying, you know, well, you know, I didn't sign up for 17. No one told me 17 minutes when I signed here, and uh, but I don't want to distract from the team. It was just classic. I mean, Ole and Lena would be very, very pleased. So it was a turning point in the, in the, in the season is what and you're saying. And then he yeah. came into the fourth quarter and just rained the ball. He, he walked his talk, uh, brought the team back. Butler, bad back and all, I think wound up in the mid-30s point-wise. Yeah. And they flipped it over. Uh, that, uh, that win, I think, triggered a lot. First of all, it eased a lot of pressure. I think that's the first first time mm. i saw you know locker room pressure where jamal and jimmy talking with each other and you know looking at the stat sheet i think circling towns seven turnovers or something oh. <laughs> uh, you know, there was there was a little bit of uh angst yep. and and that game got rid of angst so that'd be my best game got rid of my jimmy butler back related angst too i was so worried <laughs> that was scary. yeah and and rightfully so i mean uh uh, Crawford said uh, after the Portland win, you you know after Phoenix, he was laid out on this lo- on the floor of the locker room in wow. agony. You know? Yeah, that's tough. Um, cool. Um, next next award, uh, Scott, you have an award for us it is uh, best meme, best, yes, meme best meme of of the year. And a lot you, of good can, ones. From can the, you explain sort of uh, what the what, what this is for you? Like what you qualify, what qualifies as a meme? Sure, to you? it's something that you know is very. I think the best meme terms ter- tends to be very useful in different situations online on Twitter. Something like a video clip or a GIF that you can post or a joke that keeps coming back. So it applies to many scenarios. Let me tell you one of the best memes of previous years. There was obviously the Zach Levine dunk contest meme where Wiggins and Kat jump up from the bench and are trying to hold each other down. Yeah. That was a great meme. Yeah. Now that we have Jimmy on the team, we have that Jimmy smiling meme a lot where he's like, you know, on the bench looking. It's a GIF of him looking. Yeah. Yeah. Those are useful memes that we still use today. Yes. In that vein, although I got to give a shout out, it hasn't been long enough for the Tyler Jones to become a meme. Right, that's coming though. I have a feeling that could be a a meme that stays with us for the rest of the year. (laughs) Tyler Jones. But mine is going to be Jimmy Butler saying, you can't fuck with me. (laughs) Can't fuck with me. Running back down the court. I've already seen it used in lots of different situations. It's like... Me when I huge. tell my boss I'm taking a three day weekend gif, you know, yes. right there, or something like that. <laughs> yeah, you're right. I, I could see that. Even even the silent version, you know, uh, you just the gif lips. of him, you know, you know, doing the hands and just that moment. Starts of, to say it, then he takes his mouth guard out so you can hear him. <laughs> so you can read the lips. Yep, I'm a badass mother. Yeah, I'm a badass mother Jamal, right there. Jamal Murray wasn't going to mess around. No, with no, he no. can't. He can't. 
I love that. Okay, that's you're right. That is the one uh, for this season so far. All right, moving on to John. Uh, John, you're gonna um, award uh, the most underrated player uh, on the Timberwolves. Who's the most underrated? This is so hard because yeah. we all feel differently about. Sure, but it's players. for you. It's for you. So a guy that's underrated for me. Um, well, locally, I would say Taj Gibson is the most underrated player. Okay. Nationally, I'll say Tyus Jones is the most underrated player. Yeah. Because I can't say Tyus Jones is underrated locally. No. Uh, if not, it's the other way around. Because, it's the other way around, maybe. <laughs> right. But like Jeff T gets his second foul in a game and the crowd starts going wild because <laughs> Tyus Jones is going to check in. Yeah. So he's not underrated. Um, so I know I'm, I'm kind of answering this two different ways. That's okay. Uh, I think Taj Gibson is just, just, we've talked about him, but just he's just been everything and more for that team at at the power forward position. I call him Mr. Clean for a reason. I do think he just cleans up all yeah. these different messes. He's a great first quarter player. And then on Tyus Jones, he's just having statistically his best season of his career in all regards across the board. Uh, he's 21 years old Crazy. still. Uh, a tremendous uh, prospect for the Timberwolves moving forward. And it, um, you know, with these max deals hitting, that gives me a lot of hope because those are the kind of guys you got to hit on like a Tyus Jones. So uh, I know I answered it two different ways, but those are my yeah. two underrated players. Yeah, from two I, different I think perspectives. We, we were at the Cavs game together yeah. this week, and there was Taj got a great pass, and you noticed how he angles himself just right on double teams and stuff so that he's always in the perfect spot. It's just like, how is this guy always in the perfect spot to be catching these passes? Yeah. And it's just like a great vet move where he knows where to be. And that's a really underrated thing. It's just like, wow, there he is. All right, keeping it moving. It's my turn. Uh, my award to give out is ugliest player. I don't know why we decided on this one. Just to bring a neither little, neither do I. Bring this a, was not my idea. Bring a little shade uh, to the. This isn't all praise. This is uh, you know a little shade here. Um, I t- I also took this in two different ways. As far as just their face goes, I'm gonna go with Jeff Teague. I think he looks really <laughs> strange. Um, it was really hard though. I feel like the Wolves don't have a clear cut like this guy is fugly. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like so, I'm gonna go Jeff Teague I mean, on that. Cole Aldrich is in the looker. Yeah, I did think of Cole. On this one, he's got the snaggle tooth. Yeah. Um, waist down, waist down. Waist down. <laughs> You're right. Um, but as far as the ugliest, maybe player game, and don't get it twisted here. I love this player, but um, as far as how their game looks, I think the ugliest game is Gorgie Jang. He's just got a herky jerky kind of, you know, his shot mechanics are just crazy, just so strange. But the hey, they Jim go P in. Quote was yeah. his shot is like unfolding a lawn chair. That's right. Comparing Gorgie's shot to a lawn chair unfolding. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, a trebuchet. We said we love how he runs. It's all like shins first. It's kind yeah. of like a slide that he does. It is not pretty at all. It all works. I love the overall package from Gorgie. Don't get it wrong, but his his game to me is a little bit ugly. So that's who, that's who I had for that. Uh, we're going to keep the awards going here. Back to you, Scott. Uh, this one is uh, for worst loss. The worst loss of the whole season, first 41 games, which was the most bummer bummer of a game for you. Well, I think just give an honorable mention to the Memphis game where they lost 11 straight and then we they beat us, then they lost like another eight straight the streak, after that. The streak breakers. <laughs> that felt yeah. a little bad just because of the context. And I was really discouraged watching the Miami game at home as well because they just hit every three-pointer they took that night, it seemed like. Wayne had like yeah. six, and wow. Goron had like five, and Kelly Olenek was lighting it up. But the worst one of the year for me was October 25th at Detroit. It was a 101 to 122 loss. It was the second night of a back-to-back where we got blown out by the Pacers the night before. It's like the fifth game of the season or something. And Jimmy Butler wasn't there, but it was a game where you just saw that the Wolves gave up. They had no effort. They had no energy. They weren't running. After that's there was a hundred transition points in that game against us because <laughs> we it looked like we had just given up, and it reminded me so much of the teams from the years past where I know so early in the season too. I was like, oh no. 
Oh no, we had a first couple good game stretch, but this could be the real Timberwolves. This, <laughs> it could be just as bad as previous years, and that was the only game that made me think like this team hasn't improved. At so all. even with, even without Jimmy, team. even without Jimmy, you couldn't write it off. It was because right? most... I feel like most fans like write those two games off. Like we got blown out, Indiana, Detroit back to back, but Jimmy wasn't there, well, you, so they almost don't. It's count. also the second night of a back to back. It was also early in the season, so there's lots of excuses. But just in terms of like what game was most discouraging and in heartbreaking the moment, for me yeah. to watch, that was the one where I was just like, oh no, what did we get ourselves into? <laughs> that one also validated a lot of people's concerns about wing depth is mm. you know they had to put shabazz in the starting lineup he's oh. now you know dmp yeah. every single night yeah. basically so i think that to go to, to your point it also mm. like validated a lot of people's concerns which yeah. made it a, a yeah, really jeff t got a bad game on that one too so everyone was like oh teague's a mistake yeah i actually thought those are those you hit most of the low points i mean i had the phoenix game the one uh-huh. you left out yeah but that would be the only one i'd add i actually think the miami game was the the nader for Tibbs this season because I thought oh. he got really outcoached. Oh. I think Eric Spolstra just totally dismantled his defense. He knew exactly how to space and pace, and uh, those corner threes were wide, wide open, open. Wide all open. night. <laughs> they were pounding the right corner three all night. Yeah, Ooh. it was insane. And it's so weird because you see them do it over and over again, so you're like, how is this still right. an open shot? <laughs> Why are it's they still getting kick, this? Driving kick, driving kick. Plug the hole. Kick. Plug the hole. Yeah. It got to the point where Tibbs in the post-game press conference, who never reveals anything, said, I knew at the beginning of the season we were going to have to change the footing and the way the bigs approached wow. You know, going out and, and change the stance a little bit, alter it a little bit, just because he had to say something because it looked like a a bunch of uh, you know wind up toys against a bunch of statues. Yeah. You know, I mean, people were buzzing around that entire game. All right, uh, next award um, is your award, Britt. It is for best quote, um, which doesn't mean singular quote of uh, you know certain words people said, but who's the best with the media? Who do you enjoy speaking to? Who do you think gives you the most? Like however, however you want to take it, but who, sure. who do you really enjoy as far as speaking to a player goes? Well, first of all, it's the best locker room in a long, long time, and I know a lot of that corresponds with winning. Winning, yeah. Winning obviously creates a better locker room. But uh, so there's a lot of honorable mentions. I really think that, uh, you know, uh, uh, Jamal Crawford is just incredible. You know, he's a really nice guy. It comes through and he's really honest. He's a good guy to talk to. Uh, Jimmy Butler, obviously, just a tremendous performer in terms of, uh, you know, getting people going. Um, but my favorite guy in the locker room, because he's always there for you, like he is on the court. And will give you uh, the straight stuff uh, in a way that isn't going to burn him or his teammates, but is going to let you know what the temperature of the team is and what is wrong with the team is Taj Gibson. You go to Taj Gibson, most of the time he's got his both feet in buckets of water and both knees wrapped in ice. And you ask him, things, you, you say you got time. He's always fiddling with his phone. He always says, yeah, sure. <laughs> and sometimes, you know, a million other people come. And so he's all of a sudden in this huge media Scrum, deal where yeah. about 15 people are asking him questions. Sometimes you're lucky enough that they're occupied with somebody else. And you get about six questions in a row with him. And he's just an incredibly thoughtful, thorough person. And he will talk to you like he's in your living room. And it's a, you know, it's a conversation. And um, he just has, I believe every word he says, and that is so rare that you actually believe that what an athlete is telling you is the truth 100% of the time. And it's just because he exudes that sincerity and 
He's either the best bullshit artist that ever lived or somebody who's really righteous. Well, that's great. And I think it's, it's very illuminating, you know, coming from, you know, actual, you know, working media at the game to sort of say it's not about Jimmy, who is probably the more entertaining person, gives you more, you know, actual like quotes. That, best jokes. Yeah, best jokes. And kind of like you said, he performs a lot. Right. But what you're saying with Taj is that you can get a feel for the team. And again, without him burning any bridges or whatever, like you get a good feel for what's actually happening. He'll matter of factly say, um, we got a big lead and we decided it was big enough. We, you know, we don't know how to win yet. Or, but he doesn't say it in you know, like Tibbs says it or like Butler says yeah. it. They're not mountaintop proclamations. He's just basically, he's almost like uh, reliving the frustration of it again, but without, you know, yeah. being a melodramatic about it. And at the same time, he'll talk about people who are doing a really good job and just. If Taj likes what somebody else is doing and I haven't noticed that person, I pay a lot more attention nice. to him the next game. Yeah. Does it help that uh, this is the least international team we've had in years? It seemed like <laughs> a couple years ago we had, like, uh, who is Jellaball? Yeah. And, like, Mikhail. all these other international players. And now it's only Gorgie and <laughs> Nemanja, and they're both really good with English. And the so. language barrier is not yeah. there. Yeah. That's an interesting point. I don't know. I, I, I do know I really like to talk with Gorgie because he's he's – the probably the smartest guy in terms of IQ on the team, um, just a really really bright guy, and Nemanja just leaves me cold. I mean, he's just a, a dead fish interview. Uh, you know, somebody who doesn't uh, doesn't give you a lot because he doesn't have a lot that he wants to give or can give. You know, yeah. and Wiggins is the same way. Sure. Yeah. Well, Wiggins. Yeah, Wiggins. Wiggins has turned brevity into an art form. Right. <laughs> How'd the game go tonight, Andrew? It was good. <laughs> or the halftime interview with Marty. She's yeah. like, she, Marty's questions are almost always longer than Andrew's answers. <laughs> Andrew's like, yeah, I've got to try harder on that. And he's gotten better. <laughs> yeah, That's yes. the crazy thing. Yes. It's like seven words instead of three. Yeah. Love it. All right, uh, next award is mine. It's, uh, it is uh, for the best former wolf. Um, we love the, former wolves of on the, the first half. We're always season. talking about um, former wolves, and obviously, you know, I'm not going to go with any of the obvious ones. Obviously, I think Kevin Love is, you know, still playing very well at All Star level. Probably be an All Star um, this year for the Cavs. So, you know, he, as long as he's in the league, uh, he's going to be number one. But uh, and I, I want to give an honor men- honorable mention to uh, Mike Beasley uh, doing his thing in Heck New yeah. York. But for me, uh, he's in 11% of his brain. Something of a surprise and someone who's really contributing to um, a, a solid team this year is Wayne Ellington. Uh, we already talked about him a little bit as far as his work against the Wolves. But um, he's shooting uh, 40% on seven threes a game. He's averaging seven threes. He's making 40%. That's wild. He's a big part of um, the Heat success. Uh, Waiters has been out. Uh, announced today he's going to have um, season-ending um, surgery on his mm-hmm. ankle finally. So... Um, he's going to have an even bigger role, I think. I don't know if, um, what that will do for him, but you know, I just I like Wayne a lot. I think uh, I liked him when making he's it here. Wayne, in making Miami. it Wayne, yeah. And um, he's just um, an underrated player in the league, and I think um, he is somebody who's having a great season. And I just wanted to give him props um, here, even though maybe maybe Love and Beasley have had better seasons. Or is there anyone else we can think of? Who else is in the conversation here as far as former Wolves? I mean, JJ Barea, I guess, is having an okay year again. I mean, he's kind of solid, like he's normally been backup point guard but there's no one else i can think of that really jumps out at me as far as like oh this guy we let him get away and, uh, in the last five days you could say gerald green oh that's yeah, right signed that's by houston and yeah, loving the rose he's got the houston yeah. lo- rocket logo yeah. in his hair Rick, awesome. ricky's not playing great ricky's no. having a hard time yeah no. their offense in general is just a slog i mean especially even without gobert i mean 
they're just you know they're just having such a hard time on offense over there. So yeah, Ricky. Uh, as soon yeah. as you give up on Ricky, I mean, he had 21. He was 9 for 17 against John Wall last night. Wow. Every time you give up. Every time you give up. <laughs> He's always there. He's going to give it again. All right, and uh, we have one more award uh, for the first half of the season. It's John's. It's uh, for uh, best on-court moments. Best on-court moment. What happened in the game this year that's been your absolute favorite or best thing? Yeah, I think probably my highest moment this yeah. season uh, watching the team was when Wiggins hit the buzzer beater in OKC. <laughs> the Just bank. Because I, I didn't expect it, and it was, a, it was a great inbounds play. I know OKC fans will complain about the, the screen pick, yeah. that, that Carl said. Yeah. It was like a real play, like you're saying. Like, yeah. It's a, it's a drawn-up play that they do that. Yeah. Exactly. But yeah. I was watching with uh, Tony Porter. He writes at Guinness yeah. as well. And we both, after the game, we just felt like there was this magic kind of like around the wolves that we just hadn't felt before. We are just like, that that just shouldn't have happened. Yeah. <laughs> and it kind of, I don't know, it just seemed to set the tone for this season. You know, I remember back to last year, I remember that first game of the season against Memphis. We had the huge lead, and then we blow it. And in a way, I think that set the tone for the season, all those blowing leads in the third quarter. And I just think that Wiggins, um, that jumper, or the half-court banker. I don't know. It, <laughs> yeah. just, it just made me feel like, gosh, this is going to be a special season. Yeah, it was the one moment where I woke up my wife. She sleeps in a different room. I wait till she goes to bed, and then I watch out in the living room. And I was yelling so loud, it woke her up. That's one time. And I also <laughs> felt good for, for Andrew because he does take yeah. so much criticism. You know, it is a blood sport yeah. on, on, yeah. on the Internet when it comes to talking about Andrew Wiggins. He might become the most underrated just because he's so – the backlash has become so much against Andrew yeah. Wiggins that – now, at this point, he's like, he's better than that, you know? Yeah. Well, all right. Cool. Um, and uh, that's okay. So that'll do it for our awards. Thank you, guys. Good awards, everyone. Um, if you if you heard your name in this broadcast, you will be receiving your award in the mail. It's coming, you guys, okay? It's not a weekly Wolfie. It's like a halfway Wolfie. Yeah. Yeah. You'll, you'll, get, it, you'll get it in the mail. Um, let's keep the show going. It's time for a special edition of Predict It. We'll predict it. Predict It is the segment where we predict things, duh. And um, in, in, in this edition of Predict It, we're going to specifically predict things for the second half of this season. So something that um, we can foresee coming uh, down the, the pipe here in the next uh, few months, the, the second 41 games. Um, and uh, who, who, who should we start with? Scott, do you have yours? Yeah, you want to start with I you? Do. Okay, Scott, what is your um, grand prediction for the second half? I predict the Timberwolves will finish with the best, the fifth best record, fifth best record in the West. Okay, but so let's take a few steps down. They will still be the fourth seed. Oh, in the playoffs. Is that how it works? We're dominating our division right now. Only lost one game divisionally, and so at this point, OKC can go ahead and finish with a better record than us because we're going to win our division and have home court at the first round of the playoffs. All right, there we go. I mean, yeah. I mean, I don't know. I mean, it's getting to be time for OKC. Aren't they supposed to make that turn already? Come on, plenty uh, of season left. <laughs> plenty of months left so yes i mean we are closer as of this podcast we're closer to the second seed in the west than the fifth seed in the west yeah but uh you know it's a long season okay nice good prediction there i'll do mine next um i think um in the second half of the season we're going to see tom thibodeau against all odds expand his rotation <gasps> that's right gasps all around um i don't know i just think either 
the way Marcus George's hunt has been playing recently, especially the other night, I can foresee him earning the favor of Tibbs and somehow getting into that rotation to where maybe they play 10 guys instead of nine. I mean, in the main rotation, obviously. Either that or maybe they make a deal where they bring in another bench player, wing-type player, and then that person becomes part of the rotation. not sure how it's going to happen, but I'd... I have I, I know again it's against all odds it's not what he would normally do but I maybe this is wishful thinking but I just think that they might be bumping up that rotation by one player I would I would play Marcus George's hunt a little bit more ten man rotation he, ten man rotation imagine that he's just been so good especially defensively and I I think it's gotten to the point now where I feel like Thibodeau has seen it too what do you, do you guys think that maybe you could see uh, Marcus George's hunt hopping into the rotation we, we were both raving about him last night yeah. He really was. I mean, it was a tailor-made game for him. It was a very, very physical game, and he was really uh, – you can tell he likes to play physical. He and Gorgie Jang, who likes to play physical, uh, even though he complains a lot. um, I I, I think that, you know, George's hunt came in also and did a good job on Paul George, I thought. And and at least two and probably three rebounds, the guy had the ball and he knocked it – out of the guy's hands, out of bounds, off the guy. Yep. So he basically created three offensive rebounds without getting offensive rebounds. But the, the question is, will it be enough for Thibodeau though? Like, will he actually well, take that so. take did, that data and take what he's seen? Did you notice last night when uh, Taj fouled out? Who came in for him? It wasn't Gorgie. Oh, it was George's Hunt. All right. I so, think so. I because think, they think, went small. Yeah. But uh, you still, I mean, you're it's right. Still some trust. Right. And maybe he's maybe testing out some small ball lineups for yeah. the playoffs. Yeah. And I th- also think we started off the season with that 10-man rotation. So if he wants to transition to it, Boz is out. Marcus, big game George's hunting, as they call him <laughs> at Kansas Hoopus. Because, you know, big game. we were uh, big game hunting this offseason, as, as the media yes. um, said. True. But, you know, we ended up with the guys we got. But um, another point, you know, Britt talked about this earlier, was that uh, he's in Jimmy the Jimmy Butler club. Okay, so yeah, it, that, that doesn't hurt him. That yeah. always helps. That's always good. Yeah. Okay, cool. Trey uh, Jones is my man. Trey Jones is my man. You guys like that video? I love that one. Love okay. that one. I we have the sound one. drop of that. Okay, John, uh, you're up next. Prediction time. What, what you got for us? I predict that the big cat will retake the throne as the best young player in the NBA. All right. And I also think he's going to make an all-NBA team. So Take that, JoJo. I, I think like the that. narrative like will shift once uh, people get over this Carl Anthony Cantor BS <laughs> because he is just playing at such a high level yeah. since Embiid called him out. Yeah. And I, I just you can't watch the Wolves and not be impressed with the player he looks like uh, defensively right now. Yeah. So that's my prediction. And I think, yeah, I think kind of what you're saying is that Embiid, uh, Porzingis, other players early in the season kind of took his shine a little bit. But I think I can see what you're saying, whereas as the season goes on, you know, Porzingis already wearing down a little bit. He's got quotes about that. Embiid can't play back-to-backs. Um, his team might not make the playoffs. Same with same with Porzingis. Ben Simmons I, isn't as special as every team gets the scouting report that he can't shoot. I think things are trending, going to be trending upwards for Towns, especially on a team level, you know, where his team is going to be in the top half of the West and be in playoff um, contention and stuff. So, uh, yeah, I, I think that's uh, I think that's wise right there. Uh, as long Towns, as we keep Giannis atop, out of that conversation. Towns atop the unicorn discussion, as they say. All right, uh, close it out for us, Britt. What's your prediction uh, here for the second half well, of the season? Well, I'm, I'm kind of sorry I'm last. I'm going against the grain a little okay. bit. Uh, because right. I, I think that the Wolves are going to endure, endure a, uh, a harrowing losing streak. Mm. 
Uh, I think it'll be four or five games minimum. Uh, I think at least two or three of them will be legitimate defeats, but two or three of them will be reversions to uh, terrible basketball. I think it'll throw the fan base and perhaps <laughs> even some members of the team and Ooh. perhaps the coach into a little bit of uh, nervousness. Yeah. Um, I just think that uh, the odds are you have a team that you know has just come together recently um, they're playing extremely well. They got some luck early in the season. They're playing at a peak level right now. But the NBA is the NBA, you know, and teams fall on the skids every now and then. And they've got a really rough schedule, particularly in March. Mm. Um, and I can see them um, beginning to realize, almost like a macrocosm of these games where they go up, you know, 24 and win by six. Uh, it could be that way with their one lost record as they head down the the uh, turn, and uh, they're suddenly feeling like, oh, we might get home court advantage, and all of a sudden, for a couple of weeks, people may begin to wonder, are we looking at uh, Houston or Golden State in the playoffs, or even no playoffs? Yeah. Uh, and I don't know. I think it's going to be a, at that time when that happens, um, I think they have enough fiber, they have enough with Taj and Butler and these guys to pull something out. They have enough pure talent but I think there's going to be some nail-biting moments before the end of the season. There you go. Well, you got to call it like you see it. I mean, we're not, you know, it's all good. You don't have to. You don't have to have uh, rose-colored glasses here. It's uh, <laughs> it's, how, it's how it goes. You got to you got to you got to predict it as your crystal ball uh, projects it to you. Yeah, I was thinking about making a prediction about Teague, but I don't like predicting injuries. But nah. it just seems like something's going up with the lower half of his body this year. Yeah, know? yeah, it's so had some a lot things. of weird injuries. So thankfully, nothing. He's had a couple of close calls where he could have been missing the rest of the season, but it wasn't as bad as we thought. So. All right, that's it for Predict It. Uh, we're going to finish out this show with a game. Scott, drop it on us. What we got? Well, we're going to play an audio drop right here, Neil. Statistics are fun. It's The game is tonight is called Statistics Are Fun. Statistics Are Fun. Jim Peterson uh, had that drop uh, earlier this year. Statistics Are Fun. How are we playing? How's it going to work? Uh, how it's going to work is I have five questions for you. You're all going to answer the question. Um, four of the five are about specific stats because statistics are fun. Okay. I'll ask you who, for example, our first question is who is averaging the most fouls per game. You all write down the player name and then make a guess at the number, what, how many fouls that player is averaging. Okay. That way, if you guys all guess the same player... We can give them a point about whoever's closest to the actual number. So you have five questions for us. So we're going to do all five questions, and then you're going to tally? Or how's it going to work as far well, as Well, we'll just read them off one at a time. And okay. You'll follow along. Here all we right, go. number one. Question number one, who is averaging the most fouls per game on the Timberwolves? And then in addition to that, how many fouls do you think they're averaging? All right, Neil, why don't you read it off what you think it is? All right, my guess is uh, Nemanja Bielica. All right. He's been a foul machine at least of late. And, uh, yeah. Okay. Britt? I say Carl Anthony Towns, 3.6. All right, John. Ooh, I might be high. I might change it in a moment. <laughs> Do it. Cat, four. All right. Well, the answer is cat. So, Neil, you don't oh, get any love. Oh, no points. And it's actually 3.5, so Britt's going to get the point on that one. Ding, so, ding. Britt's got one point. All right. All right, next up, who's got the highest field goal percentage on the team? And this is, you know, with a minimum of... Actually, I looked it up. It doesn't even need a minimum of shots because this person has it regardless. Okay. So. But field goals... Pure yep. field goals, not Pure. true setting, not e, e field goals, just field goals. What's, what's, the, field goals? what's the question? Um, it's who has the highest field goal percentage on the team? Write down your guess and then guess what that percentage is. All right, Neil? I'm going to guess Taj Gibson. Okay. And I'm going to guess 55%. All right. I don't know. Britt? 
I think you're right, actually. I put Towns down at 54-8, but I do think Taj is higher because he had a little run there. All right. Well, crap. <laughs> crap. I'll just say Gorgie, 56. All bigs. All right. Well, Neil got it correct. It's yes. Taj with yeah. 57.1. I think you're right about Cats, though. I think Cats right at that number as well. But yeah, 57% from Tosh. All right, Britt has a point and I have a point. On I, to I, question thought, three. I thought you asked it because you were trying to be creative, like throw, uh, throw <laughs> yeah. us off, so that's yeah. why I'm going. You all yeah. thought yourself. Sometimes I do. Um, all right, field goal attempts per game. Who is attempting the most field goals per game? And how many do you think that is? It's one of three guys. I'm going to guess Andrew Wiggins at 17 attempts a game. Okay. I had Wiggins at 16.9. Okay. <laughs> Just under. Uh, wait, field goal attempts? Yep. I need to rethink this. All right. All right. All right. It's fine. It's either Towns, Wiggins, or Butler. Right. got to be. But I was thinking Butler shoots so many free throws. Well, those are not field goal attempts. They are I know. Free throw attempts. I know. That's why I'm rethinking Yeah, it. yeah. But, you know, Butler might not be a bad answer. Yeah. If Butler was the one I was torn between. It wasn't Butler to start, you know, like we were talking right. about. No, no, I, might think, I, come I, think into that. I think I'll go Wiggins at, like, at 17.2. <laughs> All right. Well, the answer is Andrew Wiggins. But Britt is the closest. Oh, he was the lowest. Uh, it's Wiggins with 15.7 attempts. Yeah, they have spread it out. I'm glad you didn't say Butler, though, because I would have felt bad because he is at 15.5. So he's right on Andrew Wiggins' tail. <laughs> like, one game can change that number. They're almost identical. I, look, I was looking at their usage numbers, and they're right in the same. Yeah. F- it know, really is really fun, close. Uh, you know, that they have this three-headed beast that yeah. seems to be three-headed. I think most people would like to see Wiggins' usage go down a little bit and give some of that out to Butler and Towns, though, well, right? They just want to see the five bad shots a game he takes <laughs> taken away. Right. You know, I mean, reduce. what's crazy is... His net rating, if you know, almost the, the response to that is, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. You sure. know, what I mean, sure. he he really has a phenomenal net rating, which sure. you, you know, you wonder how that happens. Yeah, right. <laughs> and then that's what you know, that's what drives the analytics folks crazy. Yeah. And actually, the eye test isn't that kind to him either. Yeah, he just doesn't have very good effective field goal. But percentage. boy, they're good when he's on the court. Yeah. And he leads the team in minutes. If I don't know if that's your next question. Thanks. Well, so. No. <laughs> uh, okay, my next question is about win shares. But ah. because win shares isn't a stat where you're easy, like, I know what the leader would have on that. I have no idea. Here's how this question is going to work. I want you to tell me who leads the team in win shares and at what posi- uh, like what number do you think Andrew Wiggins comes in and at that ranking? Mm. Is he the second on win shares? Is he the fifth in win shares? What's a, do you know the definition of win shares? Uh, you do good stuff that contributes to winning. I don't know how they put it together. <laughs> it's a it's a relatively complicated formula. Yeah. So who leads Kinda in like war? Who, say the question again. It's I want you to write down who is leading the team in win shares. And at what rank do you think Andrew Wiggins is on the team in win shares? All right, I'm going to say um, Jimmy Butler leads in win shares, and I would guess Wiggins is fourth. Okay. I said Cat is in win shares, and I think Wiggins, I put him at eighth, but I think he's probably oh, lower, wow. like maybe 12th. Oh, wow. Uh, because I think he might be negative win shares. Oh, wow. Uh, I'll say Butler and 11th. All right. Well, once again, Britt's got this one. Cat <laughs> is leading in win shares. He's got 6.8. Butler's in second with 6.4. And then Wiggins comes in at seventh behind Taj, Tyus, Gorgie, and Teague. Wiggins is, I think, 1.7. And I think Jamal's at eighth with one win okay. share. So uh, Wiggins seventh in, on the team in win shares. Cat in the lead. Now, finally, here's our final question of the night. Our record against the West is 22-6 and six at this point. Wow. Doing pretty good. Crazy. I believe that's the correct number. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, So my question is, can you name the five Western Conference opponents we've lost to? (laughs) Mm. 
<laughs> we lost to one of them Good twice. One. Yeah. I'm devastated with my performance, by the way. <laughs> Redeem yourself here. Wow, who have we lost to? I'm going to be driving home thinking of all these answers Britt beat me at. We've talked about three of these losses on the pod tonight already. I'm not too confident here. Okay, um, I'm going to go Golden State, Portland, Phoenix, which I think is the team we lost to twice, mm-hmm. OKC, and the Clippers. Um, Ooh, you are you are very close. Close. You're missing two of them, Neil. Okay. Oh, I'm missing one then. I had OKC, yep. Golden State, maybe Portland is wrong because I know Phoenix and I have Memphis. Okay. Uh, Memphis. You are, yep. Portland uh, is incorrect. Okay. Sorry, we had five teams. Yep. Yeah. Okay, it's the Suns, which we lost to twice. We lost to the Memphis Grizzlies. We lost to the San Antonio Spurs, ah, the Thunder, and the Warriors. That's correct, John. Look at there that. John is. coming yeah, in. The clutch. in. There it is. John. At the wire. Now you can drive home with a little <laughs> less on your back. Thank you. So um, Britt's our winner. He had three questions right. I got one, and John got one. There I have a is. door prize for our winner. Really? It's a Brandon Roy autographed basketball. Wow. Britt wins it. Brandon yeah, Roy autographed ball. Wow. That's wonderful. Thank you. I'll bring it to Aqua. <laughs> Brandon Roy number three. Yeah. Crunch birthday party. <laughs> I love that. Good game, Scott. All right. Well, that brings us to the end. Before we say our goodbyes, I just want to give a shout out to our Germany friend that we met this week. Yes, we had um, um, someone who is a listener who is German and he uh, lives in London. Mm-hmm. And uh, came across the pond to yeah. hang out. Came to see a couple Timberwolves games. He saw the Cavs game, Thunder game, both wins. So maybe he's our good luck charm. Let's. Let's. Thank you uh, for reaching out and thanks for listening to the show, Let's. Yeah, it was fun. We got to hang out with Lutz after the game and um, watch him eat his first tater tots um, ever. So, yeah, we introduced him to Midwest food and um, it's cool. So if you're, if you're overseas listening to this, thank you. But also, come on over. Watch a game. They'll take care of you. And... Uh, It'll be a good time. It's uh, he'll give you all the city tips about where to eat. And yeah, what to we'll, do. we'll tell you where to eat and where to hang out and stuff. Come to Minnesota. It's pretty cold, but uh, you can you can handle it. It's fine. Um, we want to thank our guests. Thank you, Britt. Thank you, John. Thanks for being here for our mid-season um, show here, uh, halfway through. I'm excited. Uh, you can find Britt at the Athletic. Also, make sure you listen to Britt and Bauer podcast. Yep. Love the pod. So excited. Got my first paycheck from my new job. I'm an athletic subscriber now. Ooh, there it is. I'm on there board. Is. I'm going to yes. read the whole back catalog this weekend. <laughs> yes. So excited. Yes. And, well, it's been uh, a pleasure being here. Yes, and our show is on Canis Hoopus. You'll find John's writing there. Um, and make sure you follow him and Britt on Twitter. All these links will be in John's the John's got all the good locker room videos. Yeah, that's right. So make sure you follow everybody on Twitter. All the links will be in the show notes of this episode. You'll see them there. And, uh, yeah, we'll have these guys back on eventually, maybe midpoint of next season or something like that. Um, But yeah, thank you guys uh, for listening to our show. We'll be back next week with another one. You know, I was telling somebody, you see that anger that uh, Tom Thibodeau had on that last call? We were playing, when I was coaching Houston, we were playing in Philly. And we were up 54 on the road. And someone at the end of the game blew by us and shot a lamp. And... He was as mad, that lead cutting going from 54 to 52, as he was right there.